Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Gillan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 45th official episode. Carmelo Anthony signed with the Portland Trailblazers, and NBA Twitter just, like, broke. Just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it was the amount of, like, re-emerged Mellow fans that popped up in general feeds. Nah, they've always been here. Like, they, they've been just, like... Complaining about the, the number of people, blackballing. The number of people posting big three pictures of games <laughs> CJ and Mello was through the roof. I, I, to me, very amusing, and I'm happy. I'm happy that Mello's back. Although it's interesting that, like two years ago, when the Knicks were trying to trade Carmelo Anthony, it was either the Thunder or the Blazers, and they were having big three images of like uh, Russ, PG, and Mello, and then Dame, CJ, and Mello. And now, like, the OKC thing went pretty badly, and now he's, like, on the Trailblazers at the lowest point in his career. And it's like, you look back on that image from two years ago, and it's like, wow, this was a time when people really valued Carmelo Anthony while he was still in the Knicks. I mean, a lot has changed, right? Yeah. Since then, we're like, now it's like, should Melo is, there's a good chance, we've talked about this, that there's actually a good chance that Melo comes in on Tuesday in his day, in his first game and ends up starting for the Trailblazers, which is which is surprising for, for a team that was supposed to make the playoffs. For a team that was in the Western the, Conference Finals last pro- year, for the team that probably will make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's like we'll see. But like, Zach Collins is out right now. They lost sort of like their forward, some of their forward depth with like Al Farouk Aminu and um, Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless. So it's and, and like you know they sort of replaced that with like Nasir Little who just isn't getting minutes yeah. right now we talked about this last week on the podcast it's just we yeah the, I mean, yeah we talked about like our our red flags positive surprises and the trailblazers were one of our red flags after a four and six start we're like what is happening for a team yeah. that like we were both expecting to be like probably a top four or five seed in the western conference a team that we expected to be legit contenders again this year and a team that all of a sudden is like like looks like they're barely gonna make the playoffs. Like it's a little bit like what happened. Um, and we talked about you. I mean, you highlighted their lack of depth and their lack of sort of anything to go to outside of CJ and Dame as one of their biggest problems. And so I guess that it's like if there was any team that was gonna sign Carmelo Anthony, like yeah. it kind of makes sense that it was the Portland it, Trailblazers. It definitely makes sense based on based on what we were saying last week about the Portland Trailblazers, not knowing that they were gonna go after Carmelo Anthony. It's like okay, like all right, that's yeah. some, that's somewhat logical that like if someone were going to go out and pick up Carmelo, it would be a team with the worst wing depth in kind of the tier of playoff contenders. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, so I mean, so questions are starting to rise. Like, if if Carmelo Anthony is is going to come in and be like the starting power forward for the Trailblazers, which he he actually could be, which is yeah. shocking for a guy that hasn't had a job for like a year and a half. Yeah. How does he come in and fit into this team? Well, if if you look back to his last NBA job, it was the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Houston Rockets is the epitome of non-mellowness. And when I mean non-mellowness, I mean no mid-range jump shots. <laughs> that is the epitome of mellowness. And no, like, 
like low high post like iso feed yeah. me the ball let me take 20 shots from unless your name is james harden yeah but even james harden it's his game has basically become either like 50 percent of his shots are at the free throw line and he gets free throws on like close to 50 percent of his of his like field goal attempts so yeah. it's essentially like james harden is either taking a three-pointer or drawing two free throws and or and sometimes even it's like both where he'll like hit an am one three or like you know this is that but it's basically like he's either getting to the rim and getting free throws or he's taking a three and there kind of is no in between and that's the general trend for the rockets team as a whole because they're very focused on the idea of like mike d'antoni is like the, the the two best shots in basketball are the three in the lap and so we're not going to take any other shot. Like, there was a stat that was a couple of years ago. It was like, DeMar DeRozan took more mid-range shots than the entire Houston yeah. Rockets roster. Um, I'm going to bet that's, like, still the case, like, <laughs> today. And that, and that was the case when Mello was on the team. Um, which, obviously, like, that's a little bit hurtful to a guy that, like, built his career. That's his bread and butter. It's off the, like, 15 jab step, high post, little turnaround, little, like, contested jump shot thing yeah. that he just, like, always gets to go. Although... Here's the deal. Mello has not had a job. And I think that mm -hmm. the fact that he said in interviews that, hey, Carmelo, do you want do you want an NBA job? Do you want to be back in the NBA? And he said he says 1,000%. Yeah, like 2,000%. Two, two like 2,000%. I think that's humbling, right? Like That, that shows like an eagerness. And that it, that's not like, man, these, these teams better pick me up. It's I want to play. But, well, I agree with that. But there's also a sense of like, as soon as he got signed, Dwayne Wade tweets out, like, it's about damn time. And and LeBron James is like, right, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Of course they are. And and Carmelo Anthony was also like, like, it was about like probably two days before he signed with the Trailblazers. It, um, a reporter asked him, like, are you going to play at some point this season? He said 2,000%. So not I only... Know, I'm pretty sure... It, it was, was both. It was both. What you said is true. It was like, it was like do you want to play in the NBA again? He said 2,000%. And then, like, a few days later, like, a week later or something like that, like, two days before this news came out, it was, are you going to play this season, like, like 200% or whatever. Like, he, he said, implied, like, yes, I am definitely going to play this season. And so, I agree that there's, like, there's got to be, a, there should be a humbling aspect, which is, like, my guy, you barely have an NBA job right now. Like, you shouldn't, you should be doing anything that you can to fit into this Trailblazer system and to do whatever is going to work for them. And, like, you are not a priority for the trailblazers you're a guy that's coming in to fill wing depth you're not coming in to be a star you're coming in to fill wing depth on a team that's got to figure something out but, here, but, but like, here, here's my thing to that mm -hmm. i think that while we do talk about the trailblazers need wing depth they, they need players to fill the wing positions because they just don't have anyone yeah i still maintain that Carmelo Anthony needs the Trailblazers more than the Trailblazers need Carmelo Anthony. I agree. Because if you think about it, this is a signing. The, the, like the Trailblazers, they can still go make a trade. They can still trade for a starting small forward, and then Melo just never sees the court ever again. That's that's the point I was trying to make, which is that like, like he this should be humbling, but I'm not sure that Melo is walking into it all that humbled. I think, based on Melo's career so far and what and in the comments around the signing. Mello felt like there was it was like an injustice that he wasn't playing in the league. Not a like I hope to be back, but like why am I not back? Like he his trainers and stuff. There have been news for the last like year of like trainers and people coming out and being like Mello is better than half the guys in the league right now. You really think that Lance Stevenson should have a job over Carmelo? Well, facts the, like 
w- that that remains to be seen. But like the amount of like talk that there was about Carmelo Anthony getting Carmelo back Anthony. to the league, I understand. That the same reason, but that at the Howard same time, that talked about that stems from Carmelo Anthony's own mind. I think like I don't think that Carmelo, if he was perfectly humble and being like well, I don't have a job for a reason, and so, like, I'm going to just, like, work my butt off and try to get back on the roster. He is. And th- that's why he's upset he's not on a roster. That he was working his butt off? Yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't. If he wasn't, then he'd be out of shape right now. He'd be chilling somewhere in Miami or, like, Los Angeles, like, on a yacht and wouldn't be trying to, like, get back in the gym, right? In Portland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I'm... I would like to say that I'm optimistic about the Trailblazers in Carmelo Anthony. I'm not sure if I can say that truthfully, though. As Knicks fans, we were... I mean, I sort of grew up, like, not necessarily watching Carmelo Anthony hit, like, big shots in the playoffs for us or, like, leading us to a lot of wins, but it was sort of, like, me thinking of Carmelo Anthony as more of this, like, former star, even, like, when I first started watching basketball is a guy that was like taking most of the shots and putting up big numbers on my Knicks team that sucked that like wasn't good but but we didn't suck like like we we were like the three seed a few years but not when I was aware and like like passionately following basketball when did you start following basketball we were the three seed in probably 2012 yeah I wasn't following bas I wasn't following basketball as in like knowing what was happening in the NBA besides the Knicks in 2012. Like, did I know that Carmelo Anthony was the best player on, on my next team that was, like, in the playoffs? Yeah. Was I, like, aware of, the like, the other people in the league? Like, any was I aware of NBA names besides Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James? Like, not really. Like, Chris Bosh. Like, I knew I knew about the Miami Heat. I knew about the New York Knicks, and that was about it. Okay. Well, so, I, like, in my mind... I wasn't watching games. In my mind, I've seen I've seen both as a Knicks fan, right? I've seen, uh-huh. like, and I'm not saying, like... I'm like older than you because I'm not, but like I've I've seen the Phil Jackson horrible nightmare that of that course. was the like, worst thing ever as a New York Knicks fan. The, it, it was, I'm saying that's the, sort of like where I started. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Um, so that I completely understand. Where just like as New York, you're like, oh my god, Phil Jackson sucks, Mello sucks, they, James they like, Dolan, sucks. James Dolan sucks. <laughs> Every everything sucks, like except for Chris Porzingis. Uh, and then yeah, yeah, like that's then, that kind of my. But my... Keep, but keep in mind that was that was Mello's last year in New York when all that happened. Yeah, and I, I just I remember my dad saying for like as long as I can remember thinking about basketball, my dad saying like the Knicks need to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony like. He's washed. Like he just needs to get the Knicks. Just gonna get rid of him to get him off the roster. Like I, just get anything going besides Carmelo Anthony. I, like, I feel like that was only the sentiment for the last like year to year and a half of Melo and you. My dad was like was like that for probably the last four years. Like my dad was really? on that like, I mean, pretty early. He was like a scoring champion. Like the the twelve yeah, thirteen yeah. team. That was that was so great. The twelve thirteen, but it was basically like by like twenty fourteen. My dad was like, yeah, okay, get rid of Melo. I think, and, and so. As somebody who wasn't really watching basketball until probably like 2015 or something, I don't know, like hard to remember, but as somebody who like wasn't really fully watching games, but like that's what I was hearing about like, like Linsanity and like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I guess I, 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 as a Knicks fan group with some anti-Mellow sentiment, even though he was our best player, as in like. I recognize that he was easily the best player on our roster, but I also was under the impression that we would be better without him. Yeah, although, like, 
I, I, I have this, like, sense of... He's not my father, as opposed to, like, Steph yeah, Curry yeah, and yeah. Dane Lillard, as we've discussed in previous episodes. However, I do have, like, this soft spot. And, like, when I saw the clip of... Like, like when Melo left and, like, Melo came back to the garden, they had this tribute video. And mm-hmm. it was... It's just, like... It was, like, quotes from uh, Carmelo Anthony when, when he was young saying, like, in New York, there's, like, uh, there's a hoop on every corner. I want it to be Bernard King. Uh, that's my home. And then it was, like, uh, it, it was, like, a, this great tribute vi- video. And I, like, got so emotional. And I was, like, damn, I really care uh-huh. about Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. And it's just, like, him dropping, like, 62 was one of, like, the greatest moments in my basketball life. Basketball watching life. It, it was just, it was so great. And so, like, well, yeah, like, it, it was really, like, annoying and painful. And sometimes I was like, man, Melo sucks. As, as a Knicks fan in, like, 2014, 2015, like, there are still the good times attached to that. So, like, I, yeah. I still, like, I refuse to believe that, like, Carmelo Anthony can't be productive. That, like, part of that, like, still resides me. And I, I feel like that's, like, a bias and that might be, like, getting in the way of judgment. But, like, Carmelo Anthony should be able to hit open threes. And the only reason he got cut from the Rockets was because he wasn't shooting well literally 10 games into the season. Yeah. He played 10 games for the Rockets last year. I guess, so So my point is sort of that my vision of Carmelo Anthony on the on the Knicks didn't have those strings attached of like emotional like sentiment and like positivity. It was sort of more like I started watching Carmelo Anthony with the idea that the Knicks need to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. And so when the Knicks got cut rid of Carmelo Anthony, I was like rejoicing. And when people were like had this idea that like that Russ um the Russell Westbrook, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony was going to be a big that three, I thought they were stupid. I'm like yeah, same. I'm like I have been watching Carmelo Anthony now for the last 2 years and I have no idea what you're talking about. Carmelo Anthony is not going to be as productive as you think. Because even if Carmelo Anthony is still putting up 20 points per game on the Knicks, he's not doing so in a way that is efficient or or productive to like winning modern basketball. And so who knows, like maybe him being out of the league for the last few years is going to like turn something around where now he, he understands that like the style of play that he was playing on for like with the Knicks a few years ago isn't necessarily the style of play that winning basketball teams are playing right now. And so connecting that back to the Portland Trailblazers, mm-hmm. what do you see Melo being able to do in, con- like, in terms of like contributing positively to a competitive team? Carmelo Anthony should not come onto the Trailblazers expecting to be a third option averaging 15 points per game. Like he did with OKC. Because obviously that didn't work out either because OKC lasted a year, maybe less. Yeah. So... I would say that Carmelo Anthony should come into the Trailblazers being thankful for the opportunity, first of all. But more than anything, he should just come in being ready to do whatever they want him to do, which is, in all likelihood, going to be starting power forward at some point this season. But they're going to want him to set screens. They're going to want him to hit his open threes. But they're not going to hand him the ball and tell him to go ISO and get a mid-range bucket. Carmelo Anthony has to come in and fully embrace that role 
for the Trailblazers or they are going to cut him. The Trailblazers do not have that kind of patience as a team that is already yeah. struggling and is trying to make the playoffs this year. Worst comes to they worst, don't have they, they didn't lose any trade assets. They can't, yeah, they exactly. So they don't lose anything by getting rid of Carmelo yeah. Anthony. And they can't afford to be wasting time at this point after a slow start figuring out how Carmelo Anthony is going to fit into the system. So Carmelo has to come in and be willing to embrace whatever role they have in mind for him. And which do you think I he, think. Do you think he will contribute positively? If he does that, then yes. But, because Carmelo but that, Anthony... But that's not, like, just say, like, what, do you think he will like, or do you I, think he won't? It's like, very obviously hard for me to give you a yes or no answer on yeah, that, Yeah, right? and I know, but, like, if obviously if he does all the right things, then yeah, and obviously if he doesn't, then no. But I'm going to bet on Carmelo Anthony um, having having a positive impact, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the trailers are going to turn around and they're going to be a playoff team again this year. And... Carmelo Anthony, I think, is going to finish the season on the Trailblazers, averaging like like averaging like two and a half three pointers made per game. If he can do game. that, if he can do that on like thirty three percent shooting from three, so you're taking so you're saying he's taking seven and a half a game, six to seven and a half a game. That's a lot. Yeah, actually, that is. <laughs> but like, hmm, I I, I would I don't say, know like. like I would say, like, he, he'll, he like, end the season with the Trailblazers. He'll put up, like, a solid 12 points per game off the bench, maybe. But is he going to be scoring 12 points per game without shooting threes? Like, I guess no, I'm envisioning... He's, no, he's going to be shooting threes. I'm, I'm envisioning that all of his shots, essentially, are going to be th- corner three-pointers. Not all of them, but right, but... but Okay. What but, they like, want from like, him is corner threes. Okay, but, like, think about it. Like, not, like, all of J.J. Reddick's buckets are threes. Like, you know, I understand, but, like... Like, he, how else do you score... Right, like I know, like, but like, no, that is free, true. Free but throw like, line exists. But like, like, like think about like, like PJ ex- Tucker. Layups like, like, exist. Oh, no. Dunks exist. Like PJ Tucker gets boards and like he finishes. Yeah, like, and so and so obviously like Melo doesn't have the defense. Also, like Melo's defense, not a thing. Yeah, and so like they obviously obviously he has to be offensively gifted enough to be on an to be on on an NBA NBA playoff team with no defense. Um, and so I. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with the like two, two and a half, three points per game on like 33% shooting, and and I'll give him like 10 or 12 points per game, like you said. I hope that that's what happens because I think that if that is what happens, that provides a solid wing role player for the Trailblazers, which they don't really have right now. Exactly, especially when Rodney Hood's kind of banged up. Mm-hmm. I don't see it getting a lot better than that. If it does, like, that's great. But I don't see Carmelo Anthony coming out in in at least like averaging over like averaging like fifteen points per game and doing it at all efficiently. So even if he comes out and he's averaging like fifteen points per game, that might not be what the Trailblazers want at all. They might cut him in in, a, in two months if he's averaging fifteen <laughs> points averaging per game. averaging fifteen points because per game. because he might be doing it on thirty percent shooting from the field. Like, but okay, I in my mind while playing no defense. Okay, but in my mind, I feel like. I can't picture Melo doing it for two reasons. One, after all this time, there's a reason he played 10 games last year. Mm-hmm. And then there's a reason he's gone, like, over, like, 300 days without, like, a job. Yeah. Two, 
it, I kind of compare this to what we talked about with Dwight Howard. In that Dwight Howard, he's become just like a very like good role player and hasn't gone outside of his role. And that's exactly. because and that's because he is LeBron and Anthony Davis, and he's not going to say no to LeBron and Anthony Davis because they're clearly taking up all these shots and they're clearly like two of the top whatever players in the NBA, and they have this sort of like respect around the league. And but, I, I understand that CJ McCollum like doesn't have that same pedigree. But I think Damian Lillard kind of does, especially over the past few seasons while he's been racking up these all-NBA teams. And I, I understand that Carmelo Anthony... Carmelo Anthony's career, most people would stop, would probably still rank above Damian Lillard's. Yeah, but... Whether that's right or not, know, but, I'm not going okay, to argue that. Yeah, but the, the past six years of Damian Lillard's career, the past five years of Damian Lillard's career, have been better than Melo's. But Dwight Howard does not believe in his own head that at any point in his career he has been better than LeBron James. I can guarantee you that Carmelo Anthony does. Not LeBron James, but but Damian Lillard. And so Carmelo Anthony, in his own head, even though he recognizes that Damian, he will recognize that Damian Lillard is the best player on the team. He's still thinking of himself as the alpha dog, the veteran, the guy who has been through it all. Whereas Dwight Howard is bowing down to LeBron James as the leader of the team. Okay, but in the past, you've seen that Dwight Howard. The reason why he was like. Nah, let me get post ups in the low post because he was playing on like a Hornets team or a or in a the Rockets or were better than the were better than the Trailblazers. The I, Rockets I, team I that Carmelo Anthony was playing on is better than Trailblazers. I understand. So if, I if, like if you're I, saying that about if you're saying about Damian Lillard, I feel like at that point it was different though. It, it but, was it was still different because. But how are you going to say that about like like James Harden, who's MVP of the league? Because, because, of, because Melo hasn't played in like forever, so I think he's down to where. Like even further than Dwight Howard was but at his career. I don't think that I don't think that if if that wasn't true about James Harden, the MVP of the league, being you know like a player be, worthy be, of 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 Carmelo Anthony. Because like that was before the mellow blackballing. But does the Mac- mellow blackballing actually affect affect Melo? Because I think and that that's a question that, that keeps circling. And I but think I think yes. that I think that Melo surrounds himself with people who are praising Melo. But. I mean, there, there, It's not like he's like censored from the outside world, or from like statistics. You can censor yourself from the outside world by just dismissing that as not true. You can just be like, "Well, you don't know anything about me." But you don't, know, you don't know about like what's going on. I don't know anything about Carmelo Anthony's head. But if I'm betting on, you know, like how this is gonna go, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I'm sticking with my prediction. That I'm, I'm gonna say that this is gonna work out. But at the same time, I can't say that with much confidence because I don't trust Carmelo Anthony. Okay. Oh, I hold the same result that you do in that he's going to average like 10 to 13 points per game, maybe more off the bat actually, just because he's going to have like more opportunity and more playing time. I think he will finish the end of the of the season with the Trailblazers. However, does I, he get a I job just, next year? Well, that's a whole different question. Uh, and I feel like we, we can't answer. It's hard to predict it, that without it, seeing how it, the season It's a goes. year from now, yeah, so, like, yeah. I don't know. But I think that it also, I feel like I just have a bit more, like, faith in Carmelo Anthony acknowledging that he hasn't had a job for 300 days Yeah. than, than you, I guess. So I feel like that's where we land on the issue. All right. All right. So now we're going to talk about load management in the NBA. Over the past week or two uh, like obviously it's been a big issue for the past year or two for the nba but especially the past week or two i feel like it's come up a lot in news where you're talking about rj barrett Kawhi leonard paul george i think anthony davis was on it i mm-hmm. don't know um i guess we're, we're just going to break this down talking about is this good for the league is this bad for the league should it be allowed should it not be allowed 
Yeah. All right. So starting off with Kawhi Leonard. Um, Doc Rivers was recently fined $50,000 for saying that Kawhi Leonard feels great <laughs> after not playing Kawhi Leonard in a game due to load management. Um, and so, like, Kawhi Leonard also, he credits load management as a big part of the reason that he won the championship last year. And he did so while only playing 60 games during the regular season with no real injury. Well, it, it, that's... That's where I have a problem. Like, that's not that's not true that he had no real injury. Like, he missed X amount of days. Like, he missed, like, basically an entire year with the Spurs because he had this quad injury. And from every report that you see on the internet or just, like, on, like, any sort of official Twitter thing, that this is, like, an injury that will pretty much never go away. It, it just kind of yeah. was a nagging thing. Yes. You saw he was he was like limping in the finals. But, but when you but when you list but the the like listed reason for him missing tw- I think most if not all those twenty two games was load management, not yeah, quad injury. Like load on um, his quad. And also that is, do you, have you seen the new rule that that the NBA just put out? It it kind of is related to what Doc Rivers said about he feels good but then he missed. Load management is going to no longer be able to be a reason for a missed game just because of like the NBA. When are, are they the, assuming the, that right now? Like this season? They I'm, can't, I'm not, not sure. it's not this season. I don't think I'm not sure, but the reason it's cause NBA kind of acknowledges that it does not look good from a fan's perspective. So instead of saying, uh, Kawhi Leonard is out due to load management, they're going to say Kawhi Leonard quad is out tonight. And then I feel so like, I feel like 22 games spread out two weeks at a time because of yeah, the same it, quad injury. It, it's stupid, but which is like, it's stupid, but it's just it's like marketing. It's hard to enforce. It's hard to enforce. Yeah, um, but I guess it's like like how much do we credit like if Kawhi Leonard is saying that he won the championship because he was better rested and that like like he is the player he was the player that he was in the playoffs because or he he was playing at his best possible potential because he was well rested like I think do you we buy to, that I think you have to I think just the player's health and comfort and I guess just because of that on court performance but more just like health and comfort come above pretty much everything else because like you saw that I forget like like people were saying that like certain staff like rushed him into playing and he just like wasn't buying that that was on the spurs yeah on the spurs and that's a big reason why he like demanded a trade exactly like like, if a player feels like they're being violated for being forced to play i don't think that they should have to and i I think that just like comes down to just basic rights of having a job i guess like but then, 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 then again, like, Michael Jordan. That's, so that's what I was going to yes. say. So Steve Clifford recently, he had a quote, which was that, our guys aren't used to sitting on the second game of a back-to-back. We're not sitting guys just to sit. For me, Frank, for me, my background, frankly, it all goes back to expectations. Being with Michael Jordan and Charlotte, Michael used to tell them every year, you're paid to play 82 games. So the idea is that like Michael Jordan and now Steve Clifford um basically are saying like that NBA players are paid to play 82 games. So what you're saying about like part of the job is that like you have to respect and like you want the players to play their best when it matters most. Well, are your, are your pair, are your players paid to play 82 games? Are they paid to, to play their best, play the best they can that, or win you as many games in a season as possible, which kind That's of, a very which question. Kind of connects to that because you could make the argument that while Kawhi Leonard didn't play all 82 games last year. He earned you more of your money worth, money's worth by winning you the championship, which I'd say is a very sound argument. 
Does it always work out that way? Not quite. Um, but like, I, the art, an article that I read was like very much criticizing Michael Jordan for the way that for the way that he that he phrased this, or, or for, for and Steve Clifford for the way that he phrased this, which is that like you're not paying your players to play the two games. You're playing, you're paying them to win you a championship. <laughs> True. Of course, like MJ, well, obviously like MJ has a bunch of rakes, but of course, like the head of the Charlotte Hornets did yeah. not mention winning at all <laughs> <laughs> in, in why he pays his players. And, 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 and Michael Jordan, like to his credit, won six championships and probably played close to all the two games in every one of those seasons. So I guess that also raises the question, which is that like, or playoff success and playing all 82 games the regular season mutually exclusive. Like, well, I think they can correlate now just because, okay, like this gets into the whole, like, is the season too long type uh-huh. of thing? And I, like, I'm kind of just opposed to that just because I'm like, like a history nerd and I'm like, oh, it's like stats aren't going to be comparable. Like, yeah, like, to, like seasons aren't going to be comparable, shorter or whatever. <laughs> and like, just because like, I, as like an NBA fan, like I like thrive off of that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, if it's coming down to load management, then I don't know, like, like maybe because, like, players are only going to play, like, 70 games, so, like, why not only have a 70-game season anyways? So I think, like, part of that says, but like, then if you But then if the sure. season's only 70 games, then the players play 60 of the 70 games? I, I guess that's a, a slippery slope, but I, that might just come down to, like, do you want to play basketball? Yeah. Because, like... Which is that, like, all these players talk about how blessed they are, like, they're, they're for basketball to be their job because they love the game. Yeah, time, and like, all like and then again, it's like everything's relative, right? Because mm-hmm. like, like you see, like what if the game, w- what if the season was a hundred games long? Would they play eighty-five games out yeah. of a hundred? But... And then and they would be like, I gotta rest my body. Eighty-five is good. Yeah, and which I, is more. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and now they're doing it's a good less question. And less. So I think like that could be a slippery slope, and I I don't know if like how like we as just like people who are watching can kind of determine that but i think that that's kind of a question mark that comes up when you say should you shorten the season because this is kind of like the first big time that this is happening also if you're asking why is this happening now when mj played every game 20 years ago i would just say like players are bigger players are faster also aau that's that's an argument that like as someone who has played aau like Mm -hmm. i can totally see although i don't know if i can I can kind of relate just because, like, I guess, like, like guys going to the NBA, like, I'm, like, I, like, I play against a few of them, but, like, not a lot. So I feel like uh, they, they, like, like playing, like, six games a weekend for, like, five years, that, that could be legit. That's what, so that's, that's sort of what I was going to go into, which is that, like, one, people are highlighting that as sort of the reason that, that now pe- players are having to take load management, having to take games off, is because, like, starting from the time that they're 12 years old, like young basketball prospects, guys who are eventually going to make the NBA, are sometimes playing like 300 games a year because you're playing for your you're from your for your high school, you're playing for your middle school, you're playing club basketball and AU basketball big tournaments over the weekends, and you're practicing multiple days a week after school, if not every day a week after school, and like you spend your summer going to like different yeah. basketball camps and playing against the other top competition. And so like when you start to add all that up, and the only way to make the NBA at this point is by is through like what people are calling the elitification of sports, which is that like, like it's becoming more and more so that you have to. It's yeah. you, that 
I, I did some research on this for, for ultimate Frisbee, which is like sort of my, my like big passion, my big sport that in terms of playing, which is that like ultimate Frisbee remains a sport that you can walk on as a high school player, having never picked up a disc before and play at a varsity level where like in our, an arc high school's team, which is a varsity sport, the, like the three captains every year of the team are almost always kids who had never picked up a Frisbee before their freshman year or had very little experience. And that's just not the case for basketball. Which, exactly. So that so so I did the research in the context of Ultimate Frisbee, which is now that, like, by the age of 12 years old, it's, like, 80% of kids or something, like, drop all sports except for, like, one or something like that. So there's all this research coming out, which is that, like, you hear about, like, a lot of the top players in the NBA are guys who, like, played six sports in high school who did like who did it all like tim duncan was like an olympic like olympic level swimmer and then chose basketball at the last minute instead so you hear about guys who like like joel mb didn't pick up basketball till he's 16 years old and is now one of the best centers in the nba but like people are under the impression that you have to drop everything and pick up just one sport and specialize and focus on that but do you blame so do i I blame them like i don't aau basketball or what like kids, blame kids kid, for doing that it's dropping everything to be better at one because because if i'm dedicating 50 percent of my time to baseball and 50 percent of my time to basketball and you're going all in in a year you're going to be better than me the question though is that like michael jordan might have just been so naturally athletic that he didn't have to spend all of that time on basketball to be one of the to be the best basketball player ever right like part of that might just come down to like he is inherently one of the most talented athletes of all time. And he can just pick something up that quickly. We're like, we're just like, there are kids who could spend their entire life at like, you know, like 10 hours a day playing basketball and they might never be anywhere close to as good as Michael Jordan was. Yeah. Just because they're not gifted. Like he I, was. I've heard that I, I went to point guard college over the summer. It's a mm-hmm. camp that goes all around and it's, it's really high level. And so they talk about like how to get, kind of like recruited i guess so they're talking about on a college level and they talk about there's a hundred percent of high school athletes you're gonna have the top 10 percent that are just so athletic and so good and so just naturally get good at sports or whatever that they're getting in no matter what they're getting a scholarship then there's like the bottom 10 percent and they're just like no matter what they do they're like five two and slow like five four and slow Mm -hmm. no matter like how hard they work they don't have a chance but like most likely you're going to be in the 80 percent and so it's up to you to get to the top 10 percent of that 80 percent and like the top 10 percent of the 80 percent will go to college and like play basketball at the college level now i would i would say that like to make the nba which is a lot more selective than that than 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 make playing college basketball you probably have to be in the top like one percent of that top ten percent that you just listed yes so there's already a question of like the elite like the elitification of sports and like how true is it actually because like you have to be so good at a sport that it's like if you're not born some kind of way that like you might not have a chance from day one which is a little bit like depressing but it might be the truth um but then i guess it's like the question of like so then why are the guys who are in the NBA still playing like 300 games a year of AAU or whatever? And like, it, there's probably like, you kind of have to, to pass out some of the other guys who are equally athletic. And, and so there's a big sort of like, like a lot of, there's a lot of like medical research going into like how much time young basketball players and young baseball players and whoever are spending 
just getting good and just making it to the pros to the point where they're burning out a lot quicker to the point where they have to sit out 20 games out of an 82 game season just to stay healthy because they burned themselves out when they were 15 years old playing that many games just to get to the NBA in the first place. Then again, it's not even just getting to the NBA. It's like getting that contract. So like, would you like if you ask a kid to, like, hey, would you rather get to the NBA and blow your knees out, but you get a fifty million dollar contract, or be or be great, like sustain greatness in the NBA like, while not while not getting or, or, that much or money. like or like and go to the G League or like get a, or maybe get a college scholarship, but then you don't or you go undrafted or like maybe you are a second round pick, so you get like that one million dollar contract, and then you're out of the league. I mean, think about Kawhi Leonard. Like, how much extra work do you think Kawhi Leonard? put in to get from you know like the 15th pick like going to san diego state out of high school not getting any attention to being now like yeah arguably the best player in the nba like he probably had to put in a lot of extra hours just in that like a later time span just to get to the point where he is now where like as a rookie on this on the san antonio spurs like Kawhi Leonard was not the sensation that we saw like luka Doncic being last year so like he had to do something extra to get, even since he got into the league, which might be the reason that he's also a bit tired out. Yeah, that's interesting. You've got that question. But then also, like, sort of the reason that this question has reemerged, or a part of the reason, is that R.J. Barrett so far this year is averaging over 34 minutes per game. Um, and in a blowout loss to the Kings, he played 41 minutes. And so after the game, there were media basically criticizing David Fisdell in an interview and saying, like, why are you playing him so many minutes in a blowout loss in a game that doesn't matter? And he would probably say, I'm sure that his reasoning was that, like, I'm going to let my players develop. But he had a quote, which is that, Latrell Sprewell averaged 42 minutes for a season. This kid is 19. Drop it already. Basically talking about load management is like, He's 19 years old. Like, man, he like he's, he can take it. He's right. Like, like I mean, like I understand we just spent like 10 minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes talking about how like don't burn out the youth. But I think that like as a top three prospect, there are a few reasons why David Fizdale is like justified for playing R.J. Barrett. One, he's young, let him develop. Two, LeBron gets load management because he's 34. <laughs> R.J. Barrett, who's 15 years younger, does not. Like, yeah, that's I, that's fair. Three, media tries to criticize any uh, New York. Nick, like, figurehead as much as they can, so they're just looking for a story here. End. Fair enough. I I guess I, I also think, like, the Knicks don't have a postseason to prepare for. So R.J. Bird is a little bit of a unique case in that True. nobody's expecting the Knicks to go play another 20 games after point. the season ends. Good point. So let him get tired for the 82 games this season, and he'll yeah. have all offseason arrest. You don't want to push him to the point where he gets injured, but if he plays 41 out of 48 minutes, but learns a lot from that game from the feeling of getting blown out and from the mistakes of like if De'Aaron Fox is eating him up but like he learns from those mistakes and is better the next game because of that like that's at the end of the day what you want from a youth from the youth like if you're going to be losing anyway and if you're not going to be in the postseason anyway so I would personally I'd rather see RJ Barrett play 41 minutes than watch Todd Gibson get an extra 10 minutes off the bench like no one wants to see that so let RJ get his minutes, let him develop. And I, I, I stand with David Fizz on the idea that, like, he's 19 years old and he will have his time to be load managed, but now is not that time. Take that for data. <laughs> I love that man. And, and then RJ Barrett also said later, I'm good. If I felt I wasn't, I'd tell him. 
Good. Tell you about David Good. Fisdale. Like, as if I if I didn't feel comfortable playing 41 minutes, then I would tell David Fisdale. Good relationship. Which, like, David Fisdale is a player's coach. I, I, I believe that and I trust that, that, that David Fisdale knows what's best for his guys and that they have a good enough relationship that, that they would be honest and open about that. But now, in the aftermath of that, there are talks of firing David Fisdale, which is, like, I'm not sure they're really linked, but, like... I don't think they're linked, but it's just like the Knicks suck and the front office is stupid because they don't expect them to suck even though they're justified <laughs> in their suckiness. There's a whole bunch of suck in New York and it's just like never ending. I'm really sad. <laughs> Another big quote from Jalen Rose. What ends up happening is fans and media should take the blame for this. Here's why. You guys have shown players that you don't care about the journey, the 82-game season. You care about the destination. You dumb it down so very much that the regular season becomes irrelevant to you on how you analyze players, and you only talk about how many championships you want. Players today are more skilled than ever, smarter than ever, and have more access to information than ever. That's true. I guess so. So, Jalen was I, I trying think, to make the, make the case that it's it's the responsibility of the fan and the fans of the media for players only going after championships because when we analyze the best players in the league, it's like. Well, LeBron has three championships, and Michael Jordan has six, and LeBron is like what three and you know like three and eight in the finals, and Michael Jordan six and zero. Oh. So it's like, well, LeBron James better like rest himself; he doesn't lose in yeah. the finals again, so that you guys don't get any more mad. Like, yeah, I think there's like um, kind of just a burden on the players to kind of play into what we expect of them, mm-hmm. which I think isn't good, and also just like the point that Jalen Rose makes about like oversimplification. I think just like thematically works for the media and for NBA storylines where it's like there's oversimplification and just people are going around saying like, oh, load management is bad. Uh, like, like, or it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, championship good, championship good. Like, 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 no, like, no, just like they're uh, they like acknowledge that there are specific circumstances that are leading to this. And it's not just like Kawhi Leonard doesn't have passion for the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like acknowledge it. Like. Just know know the circumstance. So I think I think that I think that's a, he actually makes a very good point here, which is that like if you're going to complain about load management and like care about your, whether your team is winning or losing the regular season, watch those games when your team is on TV during the regular season. Don't just turn it on during the finals, and then and then when you talk about when you start making lists of like ranking players here or there, don't don't give Michael or Jordan the extra credit for being six and zero in the finals when this guy never played in the finals, but this guy you know, like, never missed a game and was fantastic in the regular season. But, like, then you also com- complain about players not playing enough in the regular season. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's also a little like, bit hypocritical. It, it's it's totally hypocritical, especially when, like, injury is involved. Because, like, the entire world hated Kevin Durant until he got injured in the finals. Yeah, like, and like, that's, and, that's like, just, like, a little bit messed up, right? Like, yeah. But like, like, an injury makes you the hero of the NBA. Yeah, again. like, like, like that's just, like... All like right. oh like oh great like <laughs> a guy puts his body on the line and like gets it gets like hurt because of it and like you were probably pressuring him to play too like that doesn't like just make him make him a hero because he just put he puts his body on the line and he just happens to get hurt if he put his body on the line and he didn't get hurt you would still be talking shit about him yeah yeah all right and then, so then finally I guess it sort of it comes down to like why this is such a big problem is is the TV networks. Which is that, like, the TV networks are deciding which games to nationally televise before the season even starts. And so, for example, uh, probably a week ago at this point, um, the Bucks were playing the Clippers. And so this is supposed to be this, like, hyped-up matchup between 
the finals MVP and the MVP, the reigning finals MVP and reigning MVP, arguably two of the best players in the season. So like arguably two of the best players in the league. So before the season, people were saying that it's like Kawhi versus Giannis is for like for who is the best player in the league. Now, LeBron has like very much re-entered that conversation as if he wasn't in it already and shut yeah. those people up. But so there's, there's supposed to be this like epic head-to-head matchup and Kawhi sits. For load management, Kawhi Kawhi sits on this game that is literally that, supposed to be. I find that so funny. One of the this game that's like that, that I'm sure that that you know whoever's like TNT or ESPN or whoever televising it is expecting to be this like massive revenue like profit game. Yeah. That this is why they have such a big TV contract with the with the NBA is that when you get head to head matchups like this that you people put on national in. television, people get into it. People get excited about that head-to-head matchup, which is like Kawhi versus Giannis. And so when you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard sitting out in that kind of game, like the TV networks lose money. The TV yeah. networks aren't happy about it. And how do you think that the NBA makes most of their money? Definitely TV. Definitely TV. TV deal. Because they don't get money off of the off the ticket sales because that goes to the franchises. And they don't get money of- off of jersey sales that goes to the players and the franchises, right? So like... Or I'm sure they get a percentage of that, and and the and the, and the franchises get a percentage of the TV sales. But like the NBA as a whole, their biggest source of revenue, the biggest source of profit, is their TV deal. It doesn't work without the TV deal. And that I mean, I guess that that impacts players. If the players are like, who cares? I guess that that impacts because players get like a certain amount of revenue. The salary cap is the way it is because mm-hmm. of that revenue. Like the salary cap was predicted to go down. When like they when China was like threatening to just like stop showing NBA games because and that's that why China was such NBA. a big deal. That's yeah. why China the, the the biggest problem with China was that like we could lose our TV deal with China and the therefore NBA. salary cap goes down, players get paid less. Mm-hmm. And then so finally, it's like it comes down to the fans who Jalen Rose blamed, but the fans have sort of a reason to be upset about load management, which is that. There are people who buy who will like save up their money for a year to go like buy a ticket for for one game six months in advance, and they're and they're they like might, okay they like, might this buy is... a plane ticket too exactly then you see there's people who like travel from across the world to see Dirk's last game or to see LeBron James play against whoever right and so like like there could be somebody flying in from Greece to see Giannis versus Kawhi because they're such a big Giannis fan, and then Kawhi doesn't show Kawhi doesn't play right and then it's like. Well, my favorite player, the guy I'm here to see, the guy that I'm paying like hundreds of dollars with the plane ticket, with the like, that I've put all this work and all this money and all this effort into going to this game for, this entertainment value that I'm paying for, half of it is missing, right? Like, like the the center point of it is severely mitigated. Like the center act of of what I'm of what I'm paying to see isn't isn't there. But like, and and that sucks. But I don't know how you solve that. If Kawhi Leonard tells you I don't feel healthy enough to play, and I, I just think it sucks, but there's no getting around that. Mm-hmm. And it it's it, it, yeah, like like I said, it sucks. But like I think like the player's health has to come first. And I guess like I'm warming up to the fact of like shortening the season, but just the- just like. It, yeah, it sucks for the guy that does that. When it comes down to it, the NBA is going to have to make a change when it comes to load management. They're going to start losing money and start getting a lot of hate and, and general negativity around the idea of and load they're, management. They're already from, trying from to, TV deals and from the they're fans. They're already trying to overstep that by not calling it load management. So, so 
if they don't fix something soon. I don't know what that's going to be, right? That could be going into youth basketball and making AAU less demanding, about shutting, trying to shut down some of these camps and like the, the, the huge competition and the leadification of sports that we talked about. You know, it could be that like making the games, making the season shorter, like you said, like fewer back-to-backs. Maybe you spread the season out over a longer period of time, make the off-season shorter, but like you don't have back-to-back something like that. Whatever that change is, there is going to be a change to load management because otherwise they're going to start losing money off the off their TV deal, which they can't afford to happen. And we'll be here to talk about that change. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, uh, subscribe, leave a review. That'd be greatly appreciated. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. And follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you for watching. My name is Connor Gielan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace.